Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Rupa Subramanya is a researcher and columnist with graduate degrees in economics and international affairs from Carleton University, with more than 10 years of experience in impactful, evidence-based, public policy analysis and commentary. She joins us today to discuss her personal experience as a columnist for mainstream media outlets, such as the National Post, the Wall Street Journal, the Globe and Mail, and more. She has continued to question and verify the data surrounding the pandemic measures. It's great to have you with us, Rupa. Well, great to be here, Leon. Thanks for having me here. Now, you were in Ottawa when the trucker convoy uh, took place and apparently walked down there and began to meet some of them. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, um, it was all um, quite uh, surreal and uh, something that I hadn't actually expected. It took me by surprise. I live right uh, in the Byward Market, so not too far from where all of the action was. Mm -hmm. um, on the first day, I uh, just took a walk around the neighborhood, literally, um, and um, I'd seen the trucks uh, coming up on my street, in fact, um, and turning onto Rideau Street uh, and going towards Parliament. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought it would just be a few trucks. They'd stay here for maybe the weekend and then and then leave. Um, but as soon as I stepped out of my condo and I was walking on Rideau Street, I was just uh, taken aback by the scale of, uh, you know, and the number of trucks that were parked on Rideau Street all the way up to Wellington and beyond. And, um, you know, what struck me about the protesters and the, and the people who showed up to protest was that it was their commitment. Uh, you know, this wasn't a warm summer summer's day. This was a bitterly cold day. And it showed their commitment that they were here because they truly believed in what they were fighting for. And they were here uh, fighting the elements. Um, now, also bear in mind that Ontario was under a semi-lockdown at this point. Um, so restaurants were operating at limited capacity. Um, most things were shut. So there really was nowhere for these people to even just take a short break from the protests and, you know, go go somewhere and warm up and have a warm meal. They were out there all day. And uh, and so the commitment was striking. Uh, you know, there was a lot of enthusiasm. There was a lot of um, um uh, you know, joy and happiness. There was a lot of music playing. Um, and for someone like me who hadn't really interacted with anybody for nearly two years, it was quite cathartic because for the first time I saw uh, what felt to me like Canada Day. It really was a celebration of being together and uh, there was so much happiness. And, um, you know, it was really like a winter carnival. Yeah, when it comes to mainstream media, you know, we've all begun before the pandemic, we began to distrust them, but it was probably more of a small percentage of people. Um, now, apparently, according to Reuters, it's like 50% don't trust them. But what's your thoughts on the mainstream media and the shift, or is there a shift in your mind that is taking place away from them? If you're looking for truth and the whole truth, where do you go kind of thing? I question everything, anything, uh, whether it's the mainstream media or the alternative Good. media space. Um, you know, I always, um, you know, put everything to a test. And so I don't, you know, accept every anything that is just um, out there. Right. But, you know, Freedom Convoy was, I think, and I've said this in numerous interviews, 
that it was one of the most defining moments in this country's cultural history. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, the way it was covered, um, you know, by large sections of the mainstream media, uh, really made me question, you know, their impartiality and objectivity. Before their protesters even arrived, before they even showed up, uh, there was already a narrative in place, um, you know, that they were here to overthrow the government. Uh, there were a bunch of racists, there were a bunch of uh, misogynists, anti-vaxxers, insurrectionists. There was clearly some kind of a, an agenda here to de-legitimize, uh, to try to delegitimize them, and, and by extension, their cause, you know, by portraying them in these very negative, stereotypical, corrosive terms. So for me, what was disappointing is that large sections of the mainstream media just bought into uh, the narrative uh, unquestioningly uh, uh, questioningly from the government. Uh, what, what struck me about this was uh, the whole time that I was there for almost three weeks, very few journalists actually made an attempt to speak to the protesters. <clears throat> and even when they did, uh, they ended up caricaturing them or belittling them. Um, and I felt that they mostly chose to report what the politicians and officials were saying about the protesters. Um, and, and also what was interesting to me is that they chose to uh, speak to local residents who were annoyed that their lives had been you know, disrupted by the protests. But there were also uh, people out there and the people I spoke to who lived in center town, uh, which was the area that was most affected by the protests. Um, you know, I, I, I spoke to several of the people living there and they took it in their stride. Sure, it was disruptive. I live in the Byward Market. I found it disruptive the first weekend. I most certainly could hear the honking <clears throat> Um, from from you know where I live, um, uh, well into the night, and you know it was disruptive. But you know, yeah. I I see protests very differently from the average Canadian, and maybe right. it's because of my uh, experience living overseas. Um, I'm originally from India, the land of civil disobedience, if you want to call it that. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, there's a protest all the time, every day. Uh, you know, weeks on end. Sometimes it goes on for years. And, uh, and, and, you know, this, for me, this was very interesting that was that was finally happening in Canada, which is considered to be very laid back. And, yeah. uh, you know, nothing much happens here. But suddenly, you know, the sleepy uh, capital was suddenly, suddenly came to life. <laughs> when we I talk was, about journalists, you know, I was just thinking the other day about how many movies have been made that where a journalist goes into a situation and he's he or she is the hero and and they dive in looking for truth looking for truth looking for right. truth and that's the look that i've had and many of yeah. the public that i speak to over the yeah. years they the journalists are the heroes of our nations right. who yeah. dive in and don't allow politics or money or anything to stop them from bringing the truth to your nation. Right. So we've always held them in high regard. Man, is that crashing and burning today. It is. I mean, if you look at some of the reporting uh, during the protests itself, uh, it's quite astounding. You know, a lot of stories ended up getting debunked. Um, even some official um, uh, statements ended up getting debunked. Uh, if you remember the arson story, attempted arson story in a building uh, in, in Centertown, Ottawa, um, that was blamed on the protesters. 
um, uh, several politicians referred to it even before the cops even had a chance to investigate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'd already come to draw their own conclusions and right. uh, and, and and blame the protesters. Um, and you know, at that point, you know, I'd been walking through the it it been week two, I think. And you know what? I look was desperately looking for something bad. You know, mm-hmm. this can't all be all peaceful and joyous and welcoming. There's got to be something. There's got to be some unsavory character here. You know, someone's got to be here that's up to no good. But, you know, honestly, I, I have to say I looked and looked and looked and, you know, even and if I'd seen it, I would I would have pointed it out. But I yeah. didn't didn't see anything. I didn't you know, all I saw were just average Canadians showing yeah. up to protest. Uh, they had felt that their voices hadn't been heard for almost two years. Many Ottawa residents have this proprietary um, attitude towards their city, but it is. It, it, but it belongs to all of us. It belongs to anyone living in Calgary. It, it belongs to people living in BC, out east. Right. Uh, we all have a right to be here and protest in our nation's capital. And that's yeah. a fundamental yeah. fact. What you said at the beginning, that this is going to go down in history as a major right. thing. We began to interview people from Costa Rica, Australia, New Zealand, America, um, and every one of them was just like over the top at what the Canadian trucker convoy had done for raising up a sense of sticking together as a nation. I like what you said earlier as well when you said, I don't listen to anything and just swallow it. That's a crucial way to be. We yeah. we must question everything, but then we must look past our biases, do a little bit of research. It's not yeah. hard today to go, it's right, because we need truth. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Although to be fair, um, you know, I, people like me, I think are really are an exception when it comes to doing this kind of research and trying to get to um, you, you know, and, and trying to get to the uh, to the truth, uh, the average person just doesn't have the time, right? But uh, but yes, I mean, to your point about how the outside world viewed the protest, that is very interesting because this is something I also try to point out. Now, here you have the New York Times. Um, you know, I'm not um, necessarily a big fan of how the New York Times covers certain issues, but when it came to the protests, I found their coverage of it was not that different from my take um, of the protests. Um, You know, I also sort of came at it as an outsider, really, even though it was happening in my city. I didn't quite know what to expect. What was interesting is that I would spend all day at the protests and I'd come back and I'd read snippets of uh, news about what was happening in downtown Ottawa. And I was like, wow, this is like an alternate reality. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing something different from what these guys are reporting. And the outside world saw that as well, um, which is uh, perhaps one reason why, um, you know, the piece that I, the essay that I wrote for Barry Wise, her substack, I think it resonated not just within Canada, but it, uh, but it resonated uh, in the U.S., it resonated in Europe, it resonated. In, I had messages from people, um, you know, from, from all over the world saying, you know, Canadians spoke for us. Uh, you know, the average Canadian during the protest did more 
uh, for Canadian soft power than any anything that we've done in the last couple of decades or so. The average Canadian did something magnificent here, something extraordinary, right. uh, put Canada on, on the world stage. Then how come, Rupa, that when you look at Canada right now, the people I talk to in the public and even others that we're interviewing across Canada, they're saying, what is going on? Canada seems to be last now at keeping up with current science. Uh, why are we doing mandates? Why is it so hard to get in? Why is why can't they get into Canada? Like all this stuff. And, and they're saying this is so political. It's not about our health. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it is political. Where is the science? What was the science? What was the science? How did the science change between June 13th and June 14th or June 11th and June 14th? Um, I've looked at the data and this is something I've written about uh, recently and hopefully it'll come out soon. Um, and uh, I, you know, I looked at the data looking at Ontario, for example, um, and look, looking at the unvaccinated hospitalizations and the fully vaccinated hospitalizations, the unvaccinated in ICU and the fully vaccinated in ICU. And if you look at um, what's been happening since about March 1st to just a few days before the mandates were suspended, uh, there really is little difference between the unvaccinated and the fully uh, vaccinated right. um, in terms of hospitalizations and ICU admissions. This this is the science. This is the science. Um, and this is the data. The data is telling you, hey, uh, in the middle of March, there was really no difference. So we should have really removed these mandates back then. If you if you that is, if you believe that the mandates were actually preventing transmission, I don't believe that they they, they were preventing transmission because Omicron, um, you know, came along in December. Most countries realized that mandates were just useless at preventing transmission. The science, again, says says so but um and and you know in if you were just and if you stick to the science what about natural immunity why is it that um you know the, the only two countries that i'm aware of uh the us and canada we don't we don't actually recognize recovery from uh infection um as 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 a legitimate something that is all this time itself everything has been um we've we've invested heavily in vaccines um, and and it's 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 vaccines or nothing else, and uh, and that's quite extraordinary because you go, you know, you look across the pond, you look at the, uh, what's happening in the EU and the UK. Um, recovery from infection is is uh, is recognized. Uh, it's not just uh, vaccines. So it, all of this is the science, but here we we completely disregarded that. Um, and it, it is absolutely political at this point. I think uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, when he campaigned, he uh, he and his party campaigned um, uh, last fall during the elections. Clearly, they saw this as a wedge issue. It worked for them. Um, and I think uh, then the protests happened, and I think they 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 felt that it was it continued to be beneficial, uh, given yeah. how polarizing the protests were. You know, when you look at leaders, like political leaders, and then this holds true for every organization, but decisions, all decisions have consequences. Mm -hmm. They can be good, they can be bad. And I think like you were referring to, they're gonna try to lock stuff down again. I really believe that there is such a change in the attitudes, it might be, it started slow for a while, but the decisions that government has made, healthcare has made, we are all looking back and the influences that it had on dying loved ones, 
uh, the economy, or our personal finances. And there seems to be, as I talk to people across this nation, this slow waking up that even if you are totally on the side of whatever the side is for so many people, that look at, you know, you, we've got to look at the track record. We've got to look at, did the decisions do anything? That's interesting you mentioned that. I, I One would hope that shift is happening mm-hmm. because it's not good for society to be this polarized. You know, certainly back in February, I didn't see much in the way of, uh, um, uh, you know, people changing their opinions. I think everybody was sticking to their guns and, um, you know, it was either this or that. Um, but, you know, I think what is also happening here is that the shift that I'm seeing, at least, is that large sections of the mainstream media now are actually, um, uh, you know, were, you know, before the mandates were suspended, were um, started um, uh, talking about the mandates, questioning the mandates. Does it make any sense anymore? Um, um, you know, I have been talking about the mandates since since about January, I would say. Um, and I would say that I probably was one of the few mainstream media columnists, maybe the only one, because I, you know, I was a lone voice at that point. Uh, and it was really um, at the end of May that, you know, the Globe and Mail and a couple, couple of other um, uh, news outlets started questioning the vaccine mandates uh, because they, they saw how the rest of the world was moving away from them. But also <laughs> you started seeing the chaos at the airports. Um, uh, and, um, and, and so, and so what I'm also seeing now is that the mainstream media is starting to kind of turn, maybe question the government a little more aggressively than, um, previous, uh, than, than earlier. Um, and, um, and, and so that certainly, there is certainly a shift. I, uh, I believe that, um, you know, you know, e- even though those of us, you know, independent voices have been, um, talking about mandates and questioning them and urging the government to revisit and review these mandates and lift them and be in line with the rest of the advanced world. I think every person that began to speak up for truth, who began to say, I don't want to be censored, I want to know the whole truth, I think had this cumulative effect. Because even for, you know, other mainstream media people to begin to cover stuff, it's because they're reading I'm, I'm sure that they are reading and looking at what's going on by alternative media, et cetera. So I'm glad that, that people just speak truth. I keep saying when we're interviewing people that I used to love the programs where you'd have like Charlie Rose or others where you'd have two different experts disagreeing, but sitting yeah. down with a cup of coffee and with eloquence stating their position so the public could listen and yeah. grow and understand. And that has been slammed shut uh, yeah. by the media. So as more and more people are speaking up, I'm noticing doctors speaking up, scientists speaking up, politicians yeah. speaking up, uh, ex-politicians, etc. And this cumulative effect, I think, is very crucial and uh, so thank you for speaking up. I, you know, I, I'm so glad for that fact. I, I you know, I, I call it as I see it, um, you know, and it's it's not um, oftentimes, yeah, I mean, it makes uh, one very unpopular and w- especially mm-hmm. when you're going against the grain, yep. when you're going against a very powerful, um, you know, what I would say, a hegemonic narrative, you know, which is, you know, uh, and a lot of, there are a lot of people 
will fight to keep that in place. Right. But uh, but I think I think it, it, you know I hope that this is this this change that we're seeing yeah. um, that we're observing. I hope that it's permanent because that it's here to stay and it's not just a flash in the pan type thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, more, more people need to uh, yeah. start questioning, yeah. um, question everything. You know, that's my, that's my starting point. I don't I take anything at face value. I don't, um, I have my, you know, I have my beliefs. I have my, I believe in certain things. I, you know, I say ideas, not partisanship. Um, that's my motto. Yes. Uh, and uh, there, there are things that I strongly believe in, but even then, you know, I will, I, I you know, I, I question everything. You know, when you look at people, we know that wise people, enjoy listening to the other side. Wise yeah. people want to know what people who disagree with them think. Yeah. Because it's, wanna, it's a gateway yeah. to more knowledge. Exactly. You don't want to be in this echo chamber. You know, no. I, I, you know I, I enjoy being in the occasional echo chamber every now and then. It, you know, it's nice to just be with like-minded people. Yeah. But I get bored. You know, yep. I want to know what the other side is thinking. Yes. I really want to know what, what, you know, what, what their ideas are like and yeah. what they're thinking. It's, it's, it's very important. And, you know, oftentimes I, I, you know, the, the, I, I learn from the other side. You know, I, totally. I'm seen as someone who is, uh, you know, a small C conservative. And, uh, but, you know, I benefit hugely from listening to people on the left. Um, you know, I don't always agree with them, but there's a lot to learn from them. And I will sometimes use the tools of the left to argue against them. So, exactly. which is, <laughs> what are you you see, know, changing the topics, but what are you seeing right now in the, in the political climate? I mean, we've got people who are, uh, you know, we have the conservatives, there's a leadership race going on, and, yeah. and then we've got the liberals. And what are they going to do with Trudeau? Everyone's wondering how long. Yeah. What are your just th any thoughts on that or no? Uh, well, yeah, it's it's all very interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously Pierre Poilievre. Obviously, he's the front runner. He, I think, has um, fired up the base. Uh, you know, at least my observations of it is that he's fired up the base. He has. Um, gotten people excited and interested in a way, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen anything like this uh, in recent, in recent years, you know, I'm really excited, you know, with what I'm seeing in the conservative party, as far as the liberals are concerned, as far as the government is concerned, you know, I've said this a few times now, it, it really does feel like the ancien regime at this point, you know, there, um, things are just in a state of complete disarray there 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 almost every day there's something you know there's a scandal of some sort that's 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 being revealed uh the airports are total you know a total mess um uh, their um the in inflation is out of control uh the bank of canada now uh, admits that yeah you know they they misjudged the problem um and uh, and uh, pierre poilevre was you know way ahead of the curve in 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 pointing out uh that inflation that would become a serious problem about a year ago but no one took him seriously in fact they mocked him uh but and now you have the bank of canada saying that yeah you know we could have we we uh, we misjudged the problem and we should do better. Um, and um, so, you know, there's so much happening here. I feel like um, they're um, really in a state of disarray. There's 
the transportation minister, you know, the and then Marco Menducino, um, you know, who's allegedly, you know, who said that, you know, it was the RCMP, it was the law enforcement, which called for the Emergencies Act, and right. they're saying that they didn't, um, you know, so you, you, you know, it, it really does feel, you know, you, you have to wonder, I mean, who's running the show, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and um, and then you have the NDP obviously propping them up. And uh, um, so, uh, you know, but I don't think that they're going to uh, escape this unscathed because, you know, their association with 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 the government, with with the liberals I, is, is here to stay. And it's going to be a huge stain, I think, on them um, moving forward. Uh, and uh, but, yeah, I'm um, it, it's, it's fascinating to see, you know, yeah, all of is. various things in motion right now. The mark of the mark of great leaders is often how they go through rough times. Many times leaders who don't even look like super creative or good. A crisis will hit a country or an organization, and then something amazing happens. So when a crisis hits us and everything starts falling apart and others are doing way better than us as far as yeah. countries, people need to take a step back, get rid of their biases, and say, okay, we have a future. We have children. We have grandchildren. We yeah. need a healthy country. We need a free country. We need yeah. a country to prosper in every area. And... And so, you know, with the closing moments that we've got here, I hear that the Canadian truckers on Canada Day uh, want to do something. Have you heard anything about that? <laughs> I've been hearing tons about it, actually. So um, protesters are expected to arrive um, uh, because the issue right now, and, and I pointed this out even back in February, look, this is much bigger than the mandates. It's, it's, it's about something bigger. It's fighting for freedom. All of these measures could potentially come back. And, uh, and so I think the protesters... Um, you know, are here to, you know, fight for these larger ideas. It's not just about the mandates anymore. It's Bill C-11. It is, you name it, it there's all kinds of stuff that's happening uh, right now uh, that's controversial. And, and I think that's what they're um, standing for. Uh, and also to ensure that um, standing up for, and also to ensure that uh, this, this doesn't happen ever yeah, again. I agree. Uh, I yeah. want I want I want the Canada that we knew back moving in the right direction. Yeah. But I'm excited to see all the lawsuits that are coming against wherever yeah. they have crossed lines. We can't just all go, yeah. "Oh, thank God you gave us our freedoms back." No. We have to make sure that this nation uh, will never again go yeah. through this, you know, in whatever you want to call it, but where freedoms are taken away before they even prove there's an emergency. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and um, I, I, yeah, for sure. And I, I completely agree with that. Uh, I think, you know, all of us have to make sure that uh, we speak up and, uh, and, you know, and, and, yeah. and, uh, and try so. to get this country back to, you know, a place that, uh, that once again, makes sense. Um, yeah. um, and, um, and we really are, unfortunately, you know, a lot of countries sacrificed, um, put aside, you know, uh, individual liberties and freedoms during the pandemic. Um, um, many countries around the world did that, but I feel like Canada probably took it f further than most other places, yeah. um, especially when it came to the mandates, especially when it came to things like, 
you know, mandating uh, vaccines for people who work from home. It made no sense. No. It made no sense. And they um, clung, clung on to these mandates to as long as they could. And uh, and that's very disturbing. You know, you don't you don't you, you know, you you, you just uh, find that kind of thing. You expect that kind of thing to happen in authoritarian places. You expect that kind of thing to happen right. in tin dictatorships, but not in a G7 country, not in a no. liberal democracy. And that, I think, is what, uh, you know, people are fighting for. The protesters are yep. fighting for. I may not necessarily agree with all of their objectives, all of their, right. um, you know, where they're coming from. I mean, a protest movement like this has many different types of people, but yep. at the core, you know, people just want to be free. They just want to be left alone. If people want to hear more, just before we close, our time's running out. You have a yep. new podcast. I do. Tell yes. us about it so people can find you and listen to more of the things you're seeing and in, in, in your opinions. Yeah. Um, so it's the Rupa Subramanya show and it's for True North. Uh, and it um, um, it appears every Tuesday, um, uh, and um, the 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 goal is to really tackle the big issues of the day and uh, try to go where um, you know where the mainstream media is afraid to go to and uh, you know tackle some some big issues, some topics, um, and and you know and and have a good discussion and debate around these issues and uh, and hopefully um, get people talking and people thinking. That's, That's important. Get people thinking yeah. again. Get people talking yeah. again who have yeah. differences. You can still like each other, work with yeah. each other, and believe different things. Well, thank you for being with us, Rupa. This has been a great oh, talk today. No, my pleasure, Leon. And I really appreciate uh, being here and, and for this very great conversation. Thank you. Return to Reason is supported by our fans. We are not handcuffed by advertisers or shareholders. The need for media with integrity is more important than ever. Consider becoming a partner and fueling the unheard truth by visiting returntoreason.tv.